Pod, 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 Pod. Rugby Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the blockbuster action from the Autumn Nation series this weekend, especially Ireland's win over the All Blacks. Plus, we'll be joined by former Ireland back rower and British and Irish lion Stephen Ferris. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's your week been, lads? Long. How's it, James? You know, you've been following me on Instagram. You post your good life out there. I'm absolutely... I'm buzzing. I mean, you sound like you're buzzing. What I will say, before you go into the depths of your weekend, Jim, what I will say is a few weeks back, I gave you some banter around some horrific clobber that you've been wearing. And you've taken my advice. You've digested it. You've opened your cloth. And apart from your trousers were a little bit too short, so they've had an argument with your ankles. You looked a million dollars, mate. You did. You looked unbelievable. And I say that humbly as, you know, your sidekick here. I would have. Definitely would have. With you in that outfit, you're looking beautiful, James. Would you maybe leave my scarf on, though? The scarf and the, the little pocket handkerchief. Just nice little accessory touches, mate. You look lovely. I mean, look at us. Yeah, I know. Look at you. Look at look at you. Look at me. Anyway, on to me. <laughs> I, I took a risk there. It was risque. My tailor, big shout out Andrew Brooks, he's been pushing me and pushing me to go scarf, to go handkerchief, neckerchief, clotherchief in the pocket. I've never done it. I've had them trousers on the back burner for a while. Yes, they're a little bit short, but arguably you could say that short is in. I don't really know. And I just went full noise. No shirt. I went roll neck, aka turtle neck. And... I felt very Italian. I felt very regal. I didn't feel overly comfortable. Was it itchy? Yeah, it was. Why, why are smart clothes itchy? <laughs> the cheap ones are always itchy, mate. Mate, I'll tell you now, that, that is expensive clobber, humbly. But yeah, it, it didn't feel comfortable, but it felt right, if that's what I mean. So long weekend in Italy doing the big one, Italy versus Argentina. Uh, had a day around Venice, posted all the good pictures on social media. Not a fan of Venice. You're not? Nah, just a bit busy. Yeah, just not a fan. I'm a cultured man, well-traveled. Just just not a fan of it. And then, look, I'll be honest, guys, travel's been a nightmare this weekend. That's probably why I'm a little bit flat. <laughs> Flight was delayed three hours. Was on Ryanair. Who flies Ryanair, mate? Honestly, who flies Ryanair? Well, you've got to get there. It's A to B, isn't it? That's it. There's, there's nothing else. But my goodness me, there's budget. And then there's like, you'd probably be more comfortable dangling off one of the wings in a G-string, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was the back in those bucket seats. Ridiculous. Ridiculously uncomfortable. But I got brought back down to earth as well, today being Monday when we recorded. I was in the prison. Not as in, like, in prison myself because I've been arrested for abusing all the stuff on the Ryanair flight. What have you done? No, just 
giving back, just going to the prison, give give a bit of a talk, tell them how rugby saved my life. And but you were lecturing the prisoners. Well, I'm not lecturing, I'm more sharing, I'd say. The life that could have been for you, eh, Jim, if it wasn't for Mrs. Goode? That is the whole thing, Andrew, the life that could have been. And I spoke about it with with, with the guys. And it's one of them, I went to the prison, right, and there's a, an array of people in there, an array of characters speaking frankly, all the way from sex offenders down to petty crime. So if we, we're using them as the kind of worst of the worst or the people that are in there serving the most severe of crimes for their punishments or the other way around but uh, very different so i'm on prime video at the weekend loving life in venice having coffee post on instagram and then i'm brought down to earth big shout out to the prison barlini who opened up the gates and thankfully opened up the gates for me to walk out of as well andrew imagine me and you in a cell that i mean the beds the toilet everything's so small Hey, if you commit the crime, you've got to do the time and prisons ain't great. So I can't ever imagine and I don't want to ever imagine going into a prison as a convicted criminal. I've seen I've seen them on TV where you've you got to sit on the pan in front of you, mate. I can't ever imagine, Jim, watching you after some of the photos you send me when you finish the toilet. I've got no interest in ever seeing you sat on the pan. So uh, there's, a, there's a reason to behave myself in, in real life. After this weekend in Italy, mate, I would have filled up a black bin bag is all I'm saying. <laughs> Tell the carbs that. <laughs> Croissant, pasta, coffee. I mean, my goodness me. Heaven. Yeah. And I had about 12 beers with Guzzi as well on Saturday night responsibly and a burger. And a Yeah, I mean, it was pretty. it was a pretty long few days, let's be honest. Goody, how'd you get on over the weekend, mate? Mate, I was busy, to be honest. And I learned a very interesting lesson at the weekend which is you've always got to be careful what you say you don't know who's in the crowd you don't know what you're up to you can abuse people you can say silly things luckily it wasn't me but I had a really interesting Saturday Thursday I did a dinner up in Manchester and then Saturday I was in and around Twickenham for most of the day so I started off did a bit of GB News Saturday morning drove into GB News oh yeah, did an interview there and then I headed off to St Margaret's the St Margaret's Tavern just down the road from Twickenham and I was doing something for Guinness, so hosting a Q&A myself, and Stephen Larkham, who I must say is an absolute legend of a bloke, although he completely buried me when we got on stage. I'd been burying him, introducing him, 102 caps, England's best player in the 2003 World Cup final, just giving him all, like, a bit of banter. No, good banter, like he, he was fine with it. And then I said, oh, you know, I remember playing against you and blah, blah, blah. And he just looked at me and goes, mate, I never remember playing against you in all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I said, mate, I've still got your shirt at home. And he's like, mate, genuinely. He obviously buried me back. It was good fun, actually, uh, with Guinness. And then we fast forward, we're talking about the game, talk about England, Australia. I end up chatting about Marcus Smith and how great he is. And obviously there was the chat about Quay Cooper not being there. But literally, I'm talking up Marcus Smith like you wouldn't believe. And there's a lesson to everyone. You never know who's going to be in the crowd. So I asked Stevie Larkham. I said, Stevie... Talk to me about Marcus Smith. What do the Australians really think of him? Because we over here think he's unbelievable. He's got a massive future. And not only is he the future, but he's the now as well. And it's just a, a really exciting selection for us to see him in there. And he goes, yeah, you know, he's he's pretty good. He's you know, a bit short though, isn't he? You know, he's not a midget, but he's a bit short and all this stuff. He's, you know, he's going to struggle at the contact area and you know, people are going to smash him. And anyway, I didn't think anything of it. I said, mate, I've seen him tackling the Prem. You know, he puts it in. He's not six foot tall, but... You watch him tackle, he'll properly have a dig. He's not a, a 10 that just tries to get out of the way or, or or waits for other people to make his tackles. He'll, he'll stick his head in. Anyway, we carry on and I've talked to him up beyond belief. And as we're walking out of this Q&A at the end at the, the, the pub in St. Margaret's, this bloke walks over to me. He's like, Andy, how are you doing? Can I, have a, can I have a word? 
and he's with his wife, and his wife's got a, a white England tracksuit top on, and the bloke looks pretty smart. He's in a coat, looks like he's going to some sort of corporate hospitality. He said, oh, I need to speak to Stevie Larkham. I was like, yeah, 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 of course you can. Stevie, come, come and speak to this guy, meet him, blah, blah, blah. He goes, Stevie, you know, nice to meet you. I just want to introduce myself. I'm Marcus Smith's dad, and this is his mum. And you've called him vertically challenged and, and a little bit like a midget. I was oh, like, oh, my, my God. Word. <laughs> so it just goes to show that whenever you're giving people stick, you've got to know who's in the crowd. And I ended up speaking to Marcus Smith's dad and his mum for a good five or ten minutes. Lovely people. Like, his mum was properly nervous as well. And his dad, I'm chatting to his dad. And I said, look, he's a lovely lad. I, I met him a couple of times when I was commentating, and, you know, he just seems like... He's so positive about everything. I said, how is he? He goes, mate, I spoke to him this morning. He said he's going to rip Australia to shreds. Like, the confidence is unbelievable. And then I said, oh, you know, mate, it'll be amazing. He said, he has got a question, though. And Andy, I want to ask you this. I said, yeah, go on then. He said, he's desperate to do all the kicking. Obviously, Farrell's playing 12. Marcus Smith at 10. He wants to do all the goal kicks. He said, he got to the team run on Friday and no one knew he was doing the goal kicking. He said, what do you reckon he should do? I said, just for this one game, as much as he wants to do it, Farrell... We'll just own it. So don't even ask Farrell, just let Faz get on with it. But that's his enthusiasm, his the confidence in him. He wants to do everything. And that's why this weekend, the news is Farrell's out. So I can't wait to see Marcus Smith be fully given the reins to, to lead the attack. We'll have more of a chat about the rugby shortly. But before we do, we're back in London for a live show next week. Flatiron Square, 24th of November. Make sure you get your ticket. Go to eventbrite.co.uk and search the rugby pod if you fancy coming along. Well, let's talk about the rugby then. There's only one place to start, really, isn't there? Dublin. Italy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andy Rowe. Let's talk about Dublin and Ireland's absolute dismantling of the All Blacks. I mean, Ireland were just ridiculous from minute one, from the get-go. For actually... From the hacker, where the whole crowd was singing Fields of Athen Rye, it was the atmosphere was electric. It wasn't a fluke. It was a whole different kind of performance from Ireland in terms of attack, ball in hand, the shapes, the confidence that everyone had, the hard running lines. You know, sometimes people have questioned Ireland around their physicality when they come up against bigger teams. That's all put to bed now. That was a phenomenal performance. Like James Lowe, ridiculous. You know, you go into the back row. Kaelin Mill, Doris, Jim, your favourite player, monumental. James Ryan smashing people for fun. Unbelievable. Like that, It was a complete performance, wasn't it? With that as well, looking at that performance, now it weren't a fluke, no. And it's one of them where, and we saw it in the World Cup, and it'd be interesting to hear what you think, Goody, in terms of performance, because everyone's talking about it as one of the best performances ever, you know, in the professional game. Obviously that one for England in the World Cup and the stakes were slightly higher, you could potentially say. But they were just on, weren't they? And I've been unsure where Ireland are. I think a lot of people have in terms of where they'd be this autumn, right? I don't think they'd beat the All Blacks. I don't know what your match point predictor said, but I think it would have been the same as mine that the All Blacks would have won. From an All Blacks perspective, really, you could see it coming a little bit. And I say that off the back of them beating the USA 104-0 and off the back of them putting nearly 50 points on Italy. But the performance against Italy was arguably the worst I've ever seen the All Blacks play. And then you hear everything, you know, Andy Rowe, you might have heard a little bit more of your super fan mates in New Zealand that they're fatigued. You know, they've been away from home for, for months on end. You've met Ireland in a full stadium. I mean, the atmosphere looked unbelievable. And we said it last week, or I might have said it last week, If Ireland beat the All Blacks, which they did, the World Cup in two years' time, my goodness me, is going to be 
phenomenal. And I, I just air what you said, Goody, and what everyone's saying. One of the best performances I've seen. The physicality was unbelievable. The only thing is, they go to New Zealand now in the summer for a three-test series. Oh, do they? How raging are New Zealand going to be? Oh, and um, they'll be fresh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a summer tour, so who's bothered about summer tours? <laughs> what did you guys make of James Lowe's comments after the game? Because I know you tweeted about it, Jim. It went viral. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I tweeted about it on the Sunday in Venice, and I was slightly hung. Not too bad, but a little bit dusty. And like I've always said, I'm not great at contextualising on Twitter. I'm better talking about it as we are now. Probably talking a load of crap as well. Yeah, it went viral-ish, I'd say. You know, I had 66 comments and the comments weren't great. So basically, I put a tweet out saying, for anyone who questions residency rules and slash or project players, this is an example of why you shouldn't. So I'm not, I'm kind of telling them they shouldn't, but it's almost like I'm just saying it. A snapshot of what it means. I imagine it must have been extremely difficult for James O to be stood in front of a hacker having grown up doing it. And the replies, and as we know, look, I'm not taking a gauge on the replies of what's come through on Twitter, but it's thought-provoking. That's my opinion. We like James Lowe, friend of the show. Goody, we've done a few events with him in Dublin. Yeah. He's a Kiwi. Top bloke. As much as he tries to put on this Ireland, he tries to put on this Irish accent, which is hilarious. My point <laughs> being is the interview off the back of that performance, for anyone that's questioning someone that is playing for Ireland or playing for whoever, whatever the country is, you can't question it after that performance. And that interview, the emotion that he showed, is the emotion around what modern-day professional rugby and professional sport is. Whether we like it or not, the rules are there now that players, coaches, not just in rugby, in all sports, are now exploiting however the residency rules may look. There's a part of me that understands where people from Ireland will be like, well, what the hell is going on here? You know, CJ Stander took a little bit of shit as well. But I look at someone like James Lowe, I don't know whether they would have won the game if he weren't playing. That's how good and how influential he was. Can I just ask what the issue around what he said was? Because I watched the game, I was gutted that we lost, that the All Blacks lost. But seeing James Lowe like, cheered me up a little bit. I thought he showed some pretty good passion. Like, what was, what's the actual issue around what you tweeted? What's the other side of the argument? I think the issue with it is that people have taken umbrage with is the fact that it was all about the All Blacks. It wasn't necessarily, the questions weren't really saying how does it mean to you to play for Ireland? It was all about how good is it to beat the All Blacks? You know, you were an ex-Maori, you know, you'd grown up there wanting to be an All Black. But just look at him in his performance. Look how much passion he's got in the Irish shirt. You know, he scores a try, the turnover, everything. He's celebrating, he's screaming with the crowd and it was spilling out of him. So I think it was more a case of the line of questioning that obviously means they'll have a lot to him. You can see how much it means to him to play for Ireland. Could you imagine stood right and having faced the hacker and you sung the English anthem a few times, being a, a, a passionate Englishman, let's just say that. I'm trying to be polite here. Uh, arrogant, bold, <laughs> fat, traditional Englishman. Hold on, I'm not bold anymore. Throw a 10 grand at it, mate. Anyone can not be bold. <laughs> but with James Lowe, can you imagine? His, his knees must have been clattering. When he stood there facing the hacker. No, anyone that's abusing or saying anything negative against it, no one can imagine how he feels. You know, and I give you a load of banter on here, Jim, about being English, but, you know, having to go and play for Scotland. You're fully-fledged Scotsman. It's similar but different, right? No one can imagine his feelings before the game. And it's like anything. When you're probably told you ain't good enough to play for one team and then you get the opportunity to play against that team for your adopted country, who you've done nothing wrong by moving over here, he probably... When he came over here, did he come over and go, I want to play for 
Ireland? No, he came over and then things transpired that he was a damn good player. They can qualify in residency. And there he was. Well, let's get an Irish view on the game in Dublin now then and we can have a chat with friend of the show and a very happy former Ireland international, Stephen Ferris. How are you, mate? I'm absolutely fantastic. It's great to speak to you too, Andy. You know, I'm sure you're devastated after uh, such an ass kicking at the weekend. But Humbled. The boys were amazing, weren't they? Like, they really were. They were superb. Were any of you boys there at the weekend? No? In spirit. But honestly, lads, like, I played in the opening game against South Africa in, in the Aviva Stadium. Been involved, working in loads of games down at the Aviva. I've never felt an atmosphere like it. Like, and it's really weird because last week against Japan, like, we're struggling to sell tickets. And then, like, this weekend against Argentina, there's still tickets available. But when the All Blacks come to town, it is the biggest show in town. Why was the energy like that before the game? Is it solely because the All Blacks were in town? Like, is this the biggest game from a perspective of an Irish player or Irish fans? Why was it so different? I think it's different because there comes the expectation now, Jim. Like, I think getting that monkey off our back in Chicago, then obviously we beat them in 2018, that when they rolled into town, it was like, you know, we can do this. Where over the last 20 years, it's been like, ah, you know, hopefully we can score a few tries and we'll just go and watch the All Blacks and see how good they are. Where now it's like, let's see how good the Irish boys are. And I think that Japan result as well, give everybody a lot more confidence getting into the game and, yeah, expectation and what comes with expectation comes pressure. Like, and the, and the boys were just immense. Mate, just looking at the game again and watching back, and obviously I was at Twicken and watching it on the big screens there. When the hack is going on, you hear the fields of Athenry coming out. That was like spine tingling. So for those Irish boys, and it's, it's now making me feel a bit a bit goosebumpy now and, and quite nice, but it was oh. unbelievable. There's obviously a mark of respect, but also that was a real sort of instigator for the, the team as well, do you reckon? And then you see the boys smiling and really buzzing for the, the hacker. It was, the atmosphere must have been off the charts. The thing that I liked about it was, like, so New Zealand came, there's obviously different types of hacker that they do, and they went back to their original... Kapo Pango. Yeah, that's the one, Andy. And mm. it takes quite a long time to do it, and to do it right. But initially, all the fans quietened right down. There was pure silence. And then it felt like the Kiwi sort of milked it a little bit. Like they were taking so long over doing it that the Irish fans then just felt like going, hold on a second, guys, we're getting a little bit pissed off. And they, then they sort of started singing songs and there was ole, ole, ole. It sort of started first. And then Fields of Bath and Rye, Goody, as you lads know, like I can sing out at the top of my lungs. Mate, are you basically claiming that you started the Fields of Athenry in the Aviva Stadium? I'm, I'm, that's what I'm telling people. Say it on here now. Claim it. You started it and it was the start of an amazing victory for Ireland. Yeah, it was me and me and Eddie who saw Love and Life. <laughs> Stevie, it's, it's weird, isn't it, how sport goes? And, you know, we've had loads of chats, both on the podcast, both for Rugby Pass and kind of, you know, over a few beers. Looking at this Irish team, there's question marks probably coming more from me than anyone else, around Sexton. The questions are not coming from me around Andy Farrell. If they didn't beat New Zealand right, and you look right, they had Japan, and it'd be like, well, okay, it's Japan, even though Japan are good. Then they've got Argentina this week. It'd be like, well, it's Argentina. We should win that. How big a statement do you think for the world of rugby that Ireland have beaten the All Blacks and how they did it as well? What kind of statement does that send out, do you think, leading into the World Cup in two years? Huge statement, Jim. And I've been reading a lot of New Zealand press, going on to the social media channels for New Zealand. And a lot of the New Zealand fans were actually applauding the way that Ireland were playing. And yes, of course, you know, 
they were getting on their their sides backs and some of the individual players you know didn't play particularly well but I think all in all the way that Ireland played blew a lot of people away yeah Andy Farrell I know during the summer series or the Autumn Nations Cup or whatever it was Mickey Mouse Cup back then it, there was a lot of trial and error of what Ireland the way Ireland wanted to play there was no fans there it was boring you know yourselves lads working on the games of soulless it wasn't very enjoyable for us for the players for the management I'm sure it was, it was hard times but they've come out and they've started to play this style of rugby so now I'm asking the question how do you stop this and it's going to be tough and that's what the coaches are going to have to try and figure out was if Ireland continue to play like this that they are going to be Bit of a train the new station and hard to beat. Stevie, given the way they dominated the All Blacks, were you surprised that the All Blacks didn't really fire a shot? Like, we'll probably come to expect them to work their way back into games in the past, but it just didn't happen. I think I was as surprised as everybody with the amount of errors and mistakes that the All Blacks made. Their handling, throwing the ball into touch, kicking the ball away when the counter-attacking opportunities. They're big game players, Bowden barking off after 21 minutes. You know, Mwanga, come on. Those lads tackled their socks off in that first half. Like Blackadder and Papalihi and those lads, what, 160 tackles they made in the first half and Ireland made 37. It's, it was just relentless from Ireland. And there was some stat come out at the weekend that Ireland spent eight and a half minutes in the New Zealand 22 and New Zealand spent 30 seconds or something in Ireland's 22. Like, unheard of. We all know that New Zealand can win games with 45% possession, but they can't win games. No teams can win games with 33-34% possession. So I was really surprised that New Zealand weren't able to turn it on at times. And it'd be interesting, Andy, what's the news back home with, with New Zealand fans and coaches back home is there turmoil or is it hats off to Ireland it'll be a week of depression until we've got to beat France they'll be talking about sacking Foster which they can't actually signed up until after the World Cup but TJ Perinara is copping the majority of the heat for his service from nine which I don't know what you guys think but I thought it was abysmal yeah this ain't about the this ain't about the All Blacks mate this is all about Ireland I mean <laughs> you've got your pants pulled down but you, you go back to the Ireland thing right and you talked about oh the All Blacks made loads of errors and they sho- you know shoveled it into touch that was all about Ireland's defence though the intensity I ain't ever seen a game like that the intensity from minute one to minute 80 from probably any team like both sides of the ball you can get teams that are massively pumped for D and flying off the line but across the board Porter ridiculous Ty Furlong ridiculous then you look at the attack it's a whole different attacking sort of setup that I've, I've seen from Ireland these Irish boys are fresh they are yeah. ready to go like boys have played 70-80 minutes of rugby since the Lions tour like yeah. you know and then they get a good hit out against Japan everything's feeling good like that's the 14th test match that New Zealand have played since the 3rd of July, is it? 15th of July, yeah. something like that? Yeah. Like Ireland have played three, two against Japan, one against USA. The Kiwis are bound to be knackered physically, mentally, but your your, your first point, Goody, about, about winning the collisions, doesn't matter who you play, you have to win the collisions, win the contact area. Like James Ryan was running around obliterating rocks, like destroying people at rocks. And nobody talked about James Ryan the whole game. But he was doing yeah. his job and all the boys were doing their own jobs uh, and the team just functioned really, really well. Stevie, lastly, from me, 
is around the James Lowe narrative. We've obviously gone back and forth while I was in Venice and getting opened up on social media. And I was interested to get your take on it solely because it is quite a poignant point as a, as a, a proud Irishman who came through the system. And I put that tweet out there and there's, you know, it did go a little bit viral. But as an Irishman, like, how do you feel when you see James Lowe's interview after about him being a Kiwi, not making it as an all black, coming to Ireland, and it's all about, oh, James Lowe, not making it for the All Blacks, but putting in that kind of performance. There's a lot of varying opinions on, on the subject of uh, players coming over, whether it's for Ireland, Scotland, or whoever it may be. Some international sides have more than others. And yeah, just on James Lowe, Jim, born in New Zealand, Nelson, New Zealand, played for the Mary All Blacks 2014-2016, played all his rugby for the Chiefs. His boyhood dream was to play for the All Blacks, and that didn't happen. And just before he left to come over to well, when he signed for Leinster, I think that dream had you know, sort of disappeared. And when he came over here, was it in his head that he was going to play for Ireland? I don't think it was when he, when he initially signed to play for Leinster. I don't think it was. The more it was talked about, he didn't break any rules. It was the resident, residency rule that we all know about and have talked about so much. And I hate when people actually get on the players' back like CJ Stander as well for Ireland over the years. Everybody gets stuck into him. Oh, mixed with a South African accent, James Lowe, Jim, Gibson Park, Bundyaki, you know, these fellas. It's not their fault. Like, I, I, it definitely isn't. that They went with all the rules. Of course, the ideal scenario, and I know I sent you this in text, Jim, is that when you represent Ireland and you're standing there with me or whoever, that you're standing alongside 22 other guys that are born and bred from Ireland, and, and that's what the RFU are trying to get to. Leo Cullen at Leinster is trying to get an academy full of Leinster guys that are going to come through and make it into the Ireland squad, and it's the same with Ulster, Connacht, and Munster. That's the end goal, but it's professional board, professional rugby. I don't think it's ever going to be like that. Look at England, the Polar Brothers, Manu Tuilangi, look at Scotland. All of them. <laughs> Mate, the, story, the story's around Jim here. Jim wasn't good enough to play for England, so we had to go and play for Scotland. Same story, right? <laughs> yeah. Very similar players. You could go through so many. I think probably the only team is South Africa that you know have so many guys that are born and bred. But I, I, I think it starts to become an issue, and it would for me as a player, a former player, if I was going to watch Ireland and seven or eight of the lads weren't from Ireland. I think if you have one or two maybe three, you can get away with it. That's my own opinion on it. And I don't think the RFU, somebody else like James Lowe comes up, is going to potentially play for Ireland in the future, that they're going to get him over here. I think they're very cute now going forward and they they know what people's opinions are on it. And if you show passion and enthusiasm and physicality the way James Lowe did at the weekend, and we've all seen those pictures of him celebrating that Peter O'Mahony turnover, like you cannot question his attitude towards playing for Ireland. I think he's a great player. Like I love watching players with a little bit of X factor. Just to finish on this point, do I think Ireland would have won on Saturday without James Lowe, Jameson Gibson Park, and Bundyaki? And my honest answer is probably no. Yeah. So we got to aspire to fill in those very small spaces with Irish-born players. But you know, Robbie Henshaw, he was fit, probably would have been playing ahead of Bundy. But yeah, I know it's a it's a grey area for a lot of people. But the lads have broken no rules. Um, and the residency rules now changed to five years, correct? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing now going forward, isn't it? Like, you know, I think James Lowe was one of the last boys to 
benefit from the three-year residency. And mate, you only have to look at his passion at the weekend for playing for Ireland. I don't care who you are, what you're thinking. He's fully invested in that. And, you know, his performance was phenomenal. The other one, actually, and interestingly, obviously, with Johnny Sexton out injured now, Carberry came on and it's, it's a big turning point, isn't it? And I'm not writing Johnny Sexton off at all because he will bounce back. But Carberry came on when the game was still in the balance, kicked like a dream. Harry Burns, the big future there, isn't he? Boys are talking about him. Well, Harry Burns has been talked about so much, like, hasn't he? But again, he's so many injuries, picked up a lot of injuries, not getting much game time. When he's given his opportunity, like a couple of times in the warm-up, he's like ready to go. And the next thing he's, you know, the hamstrings went again. And it's just been really unfortunate that he hasn't got a run of games. Like if Brown O'Driscoll talking him up, he's not going to get ahead of Johnny Sexton unless he's injured. Johnny's obviously the captain of Ireland. So fair play to Joey Carberry. He sort of took a lot of balls stepping up to, to knock that one over for 50 metres. Um, I know it's just scraped across bar, but, you know, Joey Carberry, we all know he's got this potential and, he likes to throw the ball around and he'll fit into what Andy Farrell wants with the, the style of play, but he hasn't maybe shown enough either at times. Stevie, just before you go, how's the baby? How are you getting on? Be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, she's awesome. Like, she's really good. But? Yeah, no, no. Like, Laura's <laughs> doing most of the work, Jim. Like, you know, she's... <laughs> You're on the golf course in the other house up near Port Rush, aren't you? No, but no, good. everything's good, thanks. Um, she's been a dream so far, so long may I continue. All right, Stevie, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate, and best of luck for Ireland uh, against the Pumas this weekend. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Stevie. Cheers, Stevie. Thanks, mate. No bother, lads. Top bloke. Top bloke. Yeah, absolute legend, Stevie. Isn't he? I could listen to him all day, and we chat to him a lot, don't we? Do a few bits with him. I just, his, his voice is so calming, so reassuring. He works extremely hard on his craft, Andrew, probably similar to yourself in terms of detail and reading stuff. And he's, he's up to date, he's opinionated, very, very good. And I lean on Stevie for a lot of stuff, Irish rugby, a lot of stuff, all the stuff Irish rugby. Well, we all saw it on social media over the weekend. Springboks captain Sia Khaleesi making time for fans after their win over Scotland. Well, Jack Denton was one of those fans who actually ended up jumping the fence uh, in his budgie smugglers and getting his ass signed, for want of a better phrase. How are you, Jack? Ah, oh, not bad, mate. Still, still in cloud nine. Jack, <laughs> uh, I bet you are in cloud nine. Let's just get this straight first, because for people who don't recognise the broad Scottish accent and the surname, you are the brother of one of my former teammates, uh, Triple D's, Dave Denton. So who were you supporting at the weekend then? Let's put it out there first. I am indeed brother of David. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I may get a kick from David later, but since he's retired, I've switched back my allegiance back to South Africa. (laughs) 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 Not going to be chuffed. (laughs) Oh, nice. And let's have a chat about it then. Obviously, you've stripped down. It's in Scotland. It's absolutely Baltic. Yeah, Jim says Dave is hung like an absolute squirrel. Um, <laughs> what were you thinking? Because to get it all out and then poke your ass at Sia Khaleesi, was, was there a plan there or was it just off the cuff? Uh, well, first of all, at the call, I just made sure there was no high-resolution cameras around. I could capture that. <laughs> Jamie, man, I, ju- I bumped into him on Friday night just walking around the street and I just let him know, listen, man, I'm going to be out there. I should be pretty easy to spot, not very tan since I've been living here for a while and the rig's not great. So if you could just keep an eye out for me, that would be fantastic. I just really would like you to sign my, my budgie. And credit to the guys. They came around. I upped everyone up to sort of help me scream towards them. And as he came around, everyone screamed. And he pointed me out and he started heading my direction. It was the, And I just had the awkward sort of sidestep with the, the guys who guard the pitch. Just kind of, can I go on? Is it fine? Just before I get tackled. But worked out well for me. How good did it feel? See Khaleesi just touching one of your cheeks and then oh. signing the other one. It was like it, he went in properly, didn't he? Did you ever think about... 
Like pushing out a little far or not? Or is it just <laughs> like suck it all in and don't release anything? Well, I was too busy trying to make my six-pack show, which is a hard effort. So it was, <laughs> it was a dangerous thing that could have happened. To be honest, I didn't really feel like I just knew it happened afterwards when I saw all the videos and just sitting there shaking. Uh, we were chatting though, Jack, as well today. What's the plan? Because them budgie smugglers are going to be worth some, aren't they? Not just because they've been on you and they've saw probably a lot of love and the amount of alcohol that was consumed, but obviously the great sea <laughs> Khaleesi signed them. Big shout out to Budgie Smuggler as well. What is the plan? Are you going to frame them? What are you going to do with them? eBay them? So, well, definitely won't sell them for my own purpose, that's for sure. My first job was to try and not let the signature rub off on the night out afterwards. So I managed that successfully. But yeah, I'm either going to keep them or I'm very happy to, you know, if there's any, if it's worth any sort of money, if it goes towards a charity, I'm very chuffed with that. Hopefully that can make some sort of difference. Definitely don't, I'd rather keep it than sell it for myself, to be honest. If there was a player that you could uh, get, signed on the other side of the budgie smugglers <laughs> would there be anyone that would uh took you fancy in that way i actually got asked this question literally about five minutes ago and i think probably not you know see us the jim hamilton yeah oh sorry andy good jim hamilton <laughs> then after that absolutely no one <laughs> Sorry, also maybe Dave Denton. Sorry, we're going to throw that one in there. <laughs> Mate, just whatever you do, when it goes in the frame or when it gets handed over for a charity to auction off, just make sure there's no pubes in the in the front and the dribble's gone as well. But keep Sir <laughs> Khaleesi's signature on the arse. Yeah, I take a couple of wet wipes that, that wee brown stain in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. And yeah, best of luck with the budgies. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot for having me on. Cheers, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Class, mate. Top lad. Good lad. Yeah, good lad. Good lad. I mean, what a plan, eh? Like, imagine bumping into Sir Khaleesi walking around Edinburgh on a Friday and then having that plan. Oh, mate, can you sign my budgets? And it comes off. What a dream. He's a legend, isn't he? Uh, Sir yeah. Khaleesi. Like, he really yeah. is. And I'll yeah. tell you what, his performances are through the roof at the minute in terms of how he's playing. But he's just, he's he's transcended the game. Like, that's it. Yeah. There's only a couple of us that have done it and he's one of them. <laughs> Let's chat about England's win over the Wallabies now, then. Goody, another win for a win over the Wallabies, but how do you rate their performance? Easy. Yeah, eight from eight. And let's be honest, I think the Wallabies will be pretty frustrated with themselves. England are, like Eddie says, we've got some new players coming in in a bit of a transition in terms of trying to actually change the way we play. And this, this weekend will be the litmus test for us in terms of where that's at because you've got to play a different way to beat South Africa. And, you know, Marcus Smith at 10, I thought he played pretty well. You've just got to let him lead everything at 10. So I still feel, and it'll be interesting this weekend because the news is that Owen Farrell's definitely out and so he'll have full control, but it still felt like there was this leadership play. And I said it on the pod last week, let Marcus Smith run the attack, let him be the fulcrum, let him be the entertainer, the guy that drives everything and that will get the best out of him because that's how he's been so successful at Quinns. Whereas if Farrell was trying to control things, and you saw Farrell stepping up at first receiver a lot. Yeah, I was going to ask that, Goody. Was I right in picking up that a lot of the time Marcus Smith was second receiver and it was probably him who actually managed to get the whip from the plays? Is that me? Or was that just a few times? No, it did happen a few times. And the way a lot of it plays now is it often does go, you see some of the plays that end up going out the back, the, you go a 9-12 and then you've got a short line, the 10s out the back and then you've got a couple of layers of attack outside that. Jim, you're just fucking head down pushing in the mall, mate. But there are some times when that's interchangeable and you actually you want the better ball player, which is Marcus Smith, being that second guy. But it just seems sometimes that where Marcus Smith wants to go and dominate, and as he does for Quinns, it just felt like it was not quite as fluid as it could be. And it's going to happen because you've got a new combination playing together. He's never played with Ben Youngs. 
apart from against Tonga last week, he's never played with Owen Farrell at 12. I can't wait for this weekend to see Slade and, and Tuolangi back in the centres with you know, Marcus Smith at 10. And you know, you'll, you'll probably go Malins on one wing or Radwan on one wing and Johnny May on the other. Probably going to say Malins will start on the wing because the you know the aerial threat's coming. But you know, look at the ball he put Freddie Stewart through for the first try. I mean, my God, what a finish that was from Freddie Stewart as well. Mate, don't worry about looking up for Manu Tuolangi. He probably saw Curtly Beale opposite him, and I reckon Curtly Beale had had a few big nights out in London. He played like it anyway, <laughs> to be fair to Curtly. So, yeah, I mean, listen, England, were they at their best? No. There were some bright sparks in there. Australia, I thought their discipline was abysmal. If it wasn't for Nick White half the time, you know, that it would have been way more comfy. I think England were always in control, weren't they, without having control on the scoreboard. And, you know, it's it's another work on. We, we, we're not just going to hit the, the ground running when Eddie Jones has coached the team in a certain way for so long as he has this kicking game. And now he's flipped it, brought in some new players and trying to change the way we play. There's going to be a few teething problems. And while you want to see England attack and play as well as Ireland did, we've got to do something different this weekend because if we play the way we played and I hate to say this, if we play the way we played against Australia, I can't see us beating South Africa this weekend. What sort of tactics do you think they're going to change for this weekend? It's tightened up. It's a throwaway comment, isn't it? If you watch how South Africa beat Scotland, who are one of the best teams in the world, just tighten up, big fella. <laughs> what do you mean tighten up? If England tighten up and try and play the way South Africa play, we'll get hosed. I don't think, I think South Africa are one of them teams where you, you laugh about England having to tighten up. Scotland at the weekend, I think, showed we can get onto the Scotland game where the only space in the South African defensive line, the only space is in the outside channel. Exactly. However you get there, through hook, through crook, or through a bin bag being kicked off in Russell's boot, you need to get into that space. For me, Marcus Smith this weekend, it's not sink or swim, but if he can unlock South Africa, that is him. He is in there. If he can get that ball, and part of doing that, Andrew, and again, I'm stealing your thunder because this is your knowledge inside out. You've got to have the bollocks to do it, haven't you? You've got yeah. to have the bollocks to throw that ball, take it to the line, and there's a chance. Pimpe could be intercepting the life out of that ball. You've got to go for it. And we saw Finn do it with a couple of kicks, and people are booing and almost laughing a little bit at some of them. But... That's my two pence worth on how England will try. I don't think they will. We'll try to beat South Africa. You've got to take the risk at times. As we saw, the Lions didn't take any risks until that third test, but also their controlled risks. So, you know, you know Mapimpi's coming. You know, Jesse Creel will pop up on the other wing. The bottom line is England have got to prevent South Africa from getting driving line outs scrums you know we, we didn't dominate at scrum time at the weekend did we and James Slipper slip 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 slipper was playing out of position at tight head so you just think of the way the fundamentals of the South African game are line out drive scrums kicking game you know you need probably Malins on the wing to defuse the bombs alongside Freddie Air Stewart Johnny May the chicken running from all over the shop but we need you need to do it in a controlled way but finding those edges with you know phase plays with two lines of attack they can be unpicked you know, let's not forget Australia did them twice. It's definitely a big thing around risk reward. It's definitely Marcus Smith has got the spuds to do it. Let me tell you, if there's anyone that's on the par with someone that can unlock a defence like that, there's two probably in the world that can do it, and that's Finn Russell and Marcus Smith at the minute. And I don't mean that lightly because they're they're guys that have got that daring in them. You've got to have the confidence to look look for it, find it, and then the ability to execute. However, that kick comes across. 
or however that miracle ball, you know, pull Mapimpi out the line, two waves of attack where you've got a frontline option. You saw the try that Freddie Stewart scored. That's a two-phase play where you've got a ball out the back to him and then he's got three options. So he's got another out the back, he's got a short line and he's got a face ball across the front. So to beat the South Africans, you've got to have unbelievable running lines at outside shoulders, into space for other people and the depth to... Because you know someone's going to close on your ribs and they might be in next week. Well, unfortunately for Scotland, Finn Russell wasn't quite able to unlock South Africa as much as he would have liked. Jim, what do you make of their performance? Well, it had nothing to do with Finn. And I didn't watch the game live because I was doing Italy-Argentina. So I watched it back, having known the result and looked on social media to see what the consensus was. And there was a lot of talk about Finn Russell not playing well, which wasn't the case. Like He missed a few kicks at goal, as did uh, the South Africans as well. I don't know whether it was windy in Scotland, but it probably was. Too many five guys. Exactly. So he's probably, I was going to say shitting himself, but he probably was after eating the amount that he had. Scrum. That was it. I mean, we can put the line out in there and say line-out drive. It was more line-out airily uh, as opposed to the drive. Scrum got hosed. You can have the best game plan in the world. You can have the best fly half in the world to unlock South Africa. If you get smashed at the scrum and you get smashed at the breakdown, you can't win a line-out, you may as well go home. Like South Africa didn't play that well. Yanchi's both nine and ten didn't play very well. Herschel especially yeah. at nine, I thought was was shocking. I'll say it there. Itzabeth played well. Itzabeth was the best player on the pitch. He was. Why did Hamish Watson start on the bench? Don't know. You heard the cheer when he came on, and there's been a few cheers in in recent years. And you know, humbly myself winning my fiftieth cap against Australia sounded very similar. <laughs> Don't know why. Well, I, I do know why. I do know why he didn't start in terms of not from the inside, but the reasoning behind why they wouldn't have picked Hamish Watson. He's probably not 100 percent fit. He's been out since the British and Irish Lions tour. Not too sure on the injury. He's obviously cut his mullet, so he's not the same player. But my thinking behind it, it must have been the line-out. You look at South Africa in the line-out. Again, even when I was a player, that's all we used to speak about was line-out and scrum. That was it. Now, we know that Hamish Watson isn't the biggest of humans in terms of height. And they went for Nick Haining at six. For me, it was a surprise. Hamish Watson, we're talking about one of the best players in the world. IMO. Question on that, though. Haining is not very much bigger than... Hamish Watson at all, is he? I read a stat there, very similar height. Yeah, he's a little bit taller. I read it was half an inch or an inch or something. It's not like it's four, five, six inches. It's smoke and mirrors, though, isn't it? Like, this is the thing. Nick Hayden seemed more as a line-out forward. But I think, for me, that was the biggest selection mistake. You know, obviously, Matt Scott coming at 12, and I think that that was definitely the right decision. Uh, Rufus McLean coming on the wing instead of Darcy Graham. So there was a few changes from beating Australia, which I thought was strange. You also need to look at continuity, but none of that, in my opinion, was the reason. It was the breakdown. We got absolutely undone there, and we were just getting hosed in the scrum and couldn't win a lineup. It's weird because you look at South Africa like they were there for the taking. We said that during the Lions as well, and they and they won. So I'm really looking forward to the game at the weekend because the way that England played against Australia and the fact that you could say that England have a stronger forward pack in terms of scrummages, and that's why I think that Marla will play, having eaten all his chilies. But yeah, disappointed by Scotland and it goes back to the point that I made at the beginning of the Autumn Nations Cup. It could all look great for Scotland like in terms of you beat Australia, you beat South Africa and your last game against Japan. We've obviously not beaten South Africa. We've beaten Australia. The game against Japan, imagine how angry they're going to be. Imagine how angry having 60 points put on them against Ireland and they're thinking, right, the Scots are having it. Your man is all I'm saying. Mate, you need to get through Japan, then just worry about Italy and the wooden spoon game in the Six Nations, mate, because that's oh, where it's going. 
We're miles better than Italy now. Miles, humbly. <laughs> How does Scotland need to go against Japan to make this autumn a success or is the autumn not a success? Just fucking win it. Just win it. Just remember the World Cup. That's all I'm thinking. Win it, but also, again, a week's a long time in sport. You look at the game against Australia, absolutely loving life. This week, a real disappointment. There's an expectation now in Scotland. You know, we would have won that game at the weekend against South Africa. I think we would have been fourth in the world or fifth in the world. Like, that's, that's unreal. It shows you how quickly it can change. Why are you laughing, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> if spots and maybes. Mate, if I didn't eat as much, I'd be about 13 stone. Exactly. I don't think that, maybe 23. But I think Japan, <laughs> they've got to win. Japan's a bogey team for Scotland, as we know. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Well, speaking of bogey teams, Fiji, almost a bogey team for Wales over the weekend, wouldn't they? What do you guys make of that? Robbed. Robbed, eh? I wouldn't say robbed. Positively, how good did they look, though? Let's be honest. When their coach, Fern Carter, good friend of the show, not even there. The coaches aren't even there. They've got a makeshift scratch team in terms of coaching team as well. I tell you now, they, I don't know how, but they could be the best team in the world. I don't know how. But just if, if someone can get a hold <laughs> you of them. I'm looking at I'm like, Jesus Christ, they're unbelievable. They are at sevens, right? Because that's that's where their talent really comes to the fore. Now, some of the players, Waitha Levu is just ridiculous. I remember playing against him years ago, Stade Francais against Wasps. And I ain't seen many boys do Elliot Daly on the outside in a foot race. He looked like he was jogging. And then the, the try at the weekend was just phenomenal goes back to the same old question around world rugby and the likes of Fiji where's the competition where's the growth like where can they place them so they can get regular sort of top level rugby well they've only played five games since the world cup yeah and, and that's the thing and listen I know we're in COVID times and all that stuff and a lot of their boys are earning decent coin uh, you know outside of Fiji and, and the Pacific Islands I know there's the, the the super rugby team that's coming in now as well which is great but there needs to be investment. And it goes back to there's a bit of corruption, wasn't there, from the Fiji Rugby Union years ago, you know, a few years back and questions around how and who was in, in charge there and where all the cash was going. So undoubtedly, they produce unbelievable rugby players, like with X Factor, left, right and centre. Um, and they always seem to, you know, raise their game uh, and perform exceptionally well against Wales. But again, it was the fundamentals, wasn't it? Wales, the driving line out went well. Ellis Jenkins was, you know, unbelievable. What about Lewis Rees Amitz Wheels? What about his celebration? He did the lightning bolt. How cool. <laughs> I was cringing because you nearly yeah. got beat by Fiji in the most respectful way in terms of how you've played, because Fiji had 14 men, 30 men for most of it. And he's done the lightning bolt. And I've thought, actually, mate, you've got a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. You could probably get away with that. It looks yeah. actually quite sick. I think I was just jealous, is what I'm trying to say. But how quick though? He's clawed back about 15 metres on on some of them like ridiculously quick if Aroni Sal hadn't have got sent off for that stupid forearm to the face I mean it was ridiculous on Williams wasn't it I don't know maybe Fiji would have won but fundamentally Wales went back to basics and yeah, I, 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 all I could think of have you been in camp there teaching them how to line out and do driving malls till the cows come home 
Yeah, let's put my name to let's put my name to that. Yeah, I have. What have you guys made of Wales this autumn? I mean, it's hard when you when you play New Zealand first up with half a team and your pants are properly pulled down. You've then got South Africa the next week, who are the best team in the world, and you played bloody well against South Africa. And you know it, there was some fine margins in that game. You're then playing Fiji. The, the big game, if they can beat Australia this weekend and just invite Curtly Beal out in Cardiff all week, let me tell you, it will probably be a success because you, you've you've played the top two. No one else has played the top two, have they? Well, that's the thing. Get Andy Powell. If Andy Powell is going to step up at any point, it's been two years of COVID or whatever it is. It, now's your time. Get older, Curtly. Get older, James O'Connor. <laughs> get the boys out who you know have got history. James Slipper must want to get on the slipper, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, that's where let's go and get absolutely slippered. How can you go out and get slippered without James Slipper? But on your question, I'm not the right man to talk about Wales because I always get it wrong. And they actually, I'm going to say it, and then it will get get them fired up for the weekend. I don't know where Welsh rugby's going. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, I feel I feel awful saying it. Six Nations champions they are, Jim. I know it's mental that I I don't know why. Alan Wynn's mixing with royalty over the weekend. Of course he is, and he deserves to be. But we're talking about domination on the rugby pitch. I just I I don't know. I I don't know. I cannot work Wales out. I look at the regions. Uh, they ain't going that well, let's be honest. Well, this is the thing. You have actually got a point, Jim. Thank you. I'll just say one thing, and it's not around their actual rugby. It's around the organisation. If you saw, I don't know whether you saw this, but there was a couple of tweets from some of the, I think, CEOs of some of the regions about how unbelievable it was for Ireland to beat the All Blacks, and that's how to run a production line and a and a, and a union. And it was basically a little dig at the Welsh Rugby Union because while they've taken away a load of funding... The IRFU have dished a load more cash out to the provinces and therefore there's some results, right? So I think there's a big power play in Wales around cash and the WRU and how much they've put into the game. The CVC money's gone and on on not the professional game, but other parts of it. And, you know, where you say the, the regions aren't performing, they're also struggling for cash. And, you know, it's, it seems that although they're supposed to be working all together, and the WRU sit at the top, they ain't. So that's perhaps why there's issues in Welsh rugby. But they're still Six Nations champions, Jim, and you boys just got away with a wooden spoon, didn't you? Well, you guys might be able to uh, dissect it more with an open cloth on Wednesday evening. Uh, you mentioned Powley. He's going to be joining you guys on YouTube from 6.30pm Wednesday. What could possibly go wrong? Hey, lads. Oh, my Powley, I can't wait. All right, bye! <laughs> Well, let's have a look ahead to this weekend then and get your match pint predictions in in front of the final round of the Autumn Nations Series. Don't forget, just download the free match pint app and join the country's biggest private league with the code RugbyPod. It's your last chance to win yourself some free pints. Do you guys know how you're getting on so far? Go on, hit me. Goody, you're ahead by 15, mainly thanks to Jim picking Scotland to beat South Africa. Why are you laughing? Let's start with the big one, Italy-Uruguay. A massive game, that one, eh? Who's commentating on that? Who'd commentate on Italy-Uruguay? Me, mate. I'm the Italian correspondent for Prime Video, so it's me. I'm going to go Italy because they desperately need to win. They are now 16 games lost on the spin. I'm not selling it, am I? And it's Uruguay who've just made the World Cup, which is obviously great for them. Italy by 20. That's a ballsy call. Yeah, yeah. Italy by 12, I was going to say. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Scotland-Japan. Uh, konnichiwa, everyone in Japan. I know we've got millions of listeners over there. I'm going to go Japan by five. <laughs> I want to make sure that you put that on your match point predictor then. If Matsushima's not playing, maybe I'll change my mind. But Japan by five. Six? How many does I say? Six. Japan by six. 
I'm going to go Scotland by 12. Ireland, Argentina. Tough one. Imagine how long over the lads are still, the Irish lads, and rightly so. Argentina the same though, off the back of a long tour, been away from home. They've got a bonus, I vote, if they win this game. How much? Just call it 50R. Yeah, just call it 50R. I don't know if Argentinian rugby's got that much money, but I can't see Ireland not winning. I don't think it'll be as comfortable as we might think because of the hangovers. And they might make a few changes where well, they're going to have to. I imagine some sore bodies. Johnny Sexton's injured. Johnny Sexton's the best 10 in the world at the minute. So I'm going to say Ireland by 18. I, I thought you said it was going to be a bit closer than people think. Ireland by... I'm going to go Ireland by 12 again. France, New Zealand. Can he wait? Yeah, that's going to be out of a game, isn't it? I'm going to go... Fr- no, New Zealand by six. I'm going to go France. Go on, James. Imagine the All Blacks losing two on the spin. But I'm going to go France, who looks sensational on paper. France by six. Wales, Australia. Oh, I'm going to go Australia. Oh, yeah. I don't know off the back of what, though. I know it's something deep-rooted in me. My Welsh listeners, my fans, my people, I'm sorry. Pauli, I'm sorry. Biggs, I'm sorry. Alan Wynn, I'm sorry. The Sheriff, I'm sorry. Wales, I can't. I can't go against my Wales. I'm going to go Wales by four. Oh, interesting. Wales by four. See, if you went Australia, I was going to go Wales, but you've because you've been so positive about Wales, it means you're probably not telling the truth. Uh, I'm going to go Australia by two. England, South Africa. Oh, do I have to start with this one? Yes, you do, Goody. I'm really sorry to every England fan on here. I desperately want England to win. I think we're going to struggle at scrum time a little bit. Underhill was massive. Curry was big. Courtney, look, we could smash them. I'm trying to convince myself. Manu back in the centres. England by three. I was going to say South Africa, but I've got to say it. I can't bring myself to say it. England by three. I think England will win. I'm going to go England by six. Right then. Well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, fair few bits of good this weekend. And always we have to get one of my old clubs in there. So we're going to continue the theme. Leicester Tigers in the good again this week. It may have only been the Prem Cup, but they picked a prop at flanker in James Whitcomb. And they had three props on the bench and still beat Sale at home in the Prem Cup. So uh, big shout out to them. They're on a roll. I think that's nine from nine now. Keep on going, boys. What else is good? Lewis Rees-Summit's try. Ridiculous wheels. I'd love to see him go against Will Jordan in a race. And Adam Radwan. We should sell tickets for that. Get them all to a live show. And my pimpy. Yeah, I'm a pimpy. Yeah, just get them all to a live show. Anyway, Lewis Rees-Summit, ridiculous wheels. Shout out to Sam Matavesi as well. 26 tackles and four turnovers won for Fiji. And it was a brilliant effort from those boys. I played with his brother, and his brother had half the engine that I had, which isn't very much. He's been messaging me on Instagram. He's trying to get the lawnmower 4.0, and he's like, he's like, I want 20% big gym code. I says, mate, just, <laughs> you're in Japan now early in the yen. Just, just pay for the full one, mate. <laughs> there we go. So shout out to Sam Matavesi and his stats, 26 tackles and four turnovers. Fiji, they're going to get a mention of the good. Played with 14 men for 55 minutes. And with 13 men for 20 minutes and still ran Wales pretty close, scoring a scintillating try of their own. Uh, Stuart Hogg gets a mention even though they lost. Uh, he equaled Ian Smith and Tony Stanger's record of 24 tries for Scotland. Well done, Hoggy. Sticking with the theme of tries, Jamie Blamire, six tries in his first four tests for England. A hooker scoring tries for fun. So a uh, big shout out to him. Freddie Stewart's try, that gets a mention in the good this week. A uh, hell of a moment for him. One of the best England tries we've scored for quite some time. So, nice line. Curtly Beale was um, 
not that keen to make a tackle at fullback, but it was the step. It was the line, then the step. So massive shout out to Freddie Stewart, man of the match at the weekend. So top stuff by him. England get a mention. Their performance wasn't perfect by any means, but it's still eight wins in a row against the Wallabies. So nothing better than beating the Australians at sport. Whatever the sport, the Ashes are coming home as well, boys. So uh, great stuff from England. But there's only one place where you can go for the good this week. James Lowe scored a try against the country of his birth. A crucial late tackle as well. A hell of an all-round performance by him after certain criticism. But Ireland completely dominating the All Blacks. 67% territory forced the All Blacks to make 238 tackles. Absolutely mind-blowing numbers. They got New Zealand's number. That's three wins in the last five against them now. So the good this week goes to Ireland, James Lowe, Josh van der Fleer, Kayla Miel, Doris, you name them. They're all getting the good this week. So a uh, massive shout out to all the Irish boys. The bad. A couple of bits of bad. We're going to start with Scotland. James, sorry about this, but we gave them the good last week, but they just couldn't compete physically. Get some more haggis down, you boys. Eat some more. Bring back Jim Hamilton. They couldn't compete physically with the Springboks again, Jim. So I blame selection. Who leaves Hamish Watson on the bench? Not me. New Zealand get a mention of the bad. Uh, not the performance we expected from them. And that's three defeats to Ireland in the last five years. After none for 100 years before that, Andy Rowe. How bad are you boys now compared to before? Get rid of Piranera. <laughs> You're jumping on that bandwagon. Uh, but the bad this week has to go to Bath again. Uh, who takes 70, Jim? Not me. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, whether it's the Prem Cup or not, you cannot take 70 points against your nearest and dearest rivals, Gloucester. Something not going particularly right at Bath this weekend. In fact, there's something not right there at all. So uh, Bath are going to get the bad this week. And then the ugly, only one bit of ugly really, and that's Aroni Sow. His nickname is the Sledgehammer, but you can forearm smash anyone in the face, let alone Johnny Williams. So Aroni Sow, you're going to get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I've got a nice one. I've got a shout-out to Jack Kelly and Alice O'Shea, who have got different surnames at the minute, but not for long, because they're getting married this weekend. Uh, Jack's a huge fan of the Rugby Pod, and he's also used the discount code to purchase the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 to trim the bush for the weekend. So I did say, I did reach out to your mate who got in contact with me to do the readout and said that, Probably four or five days before, because the ingrown air start coming at about two. You want that to subside, <laughs> pluck them out, and my goodness me, you're good to go. So congratulations, Jack and Alice. Here's to a good five years or so together. <laughs> fair, fair play to Alice as well. She's obviously getting married to him, knowing he's got a full bush. So it must be real love. So uh, Jack, you should have probably trimmed it up before now, but there we go, fair play. Uh, and for me, a massive shout out to the Hereford Rugby Club boys. I was speaking at their dinner on... Uh, Saturday evening, they love the pod. They cannot wait to get Jim Hamilton. And I promised Jim you'd go there next year with your top off, your pants down, and the bush out everywhere as well. So uh, Amen. shout out to the Hereford Rugby Boys. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify as well. Rugby Spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod. pod. <laughs>